Your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. That's where we're going to be. I figured we've already had two passages in Romans that we've looked at for our uh, vision series that we've been doing the last couple weeks, and so figured we'd continue doing that. Um, so Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. Again, if you would, turn to Romans 10 and then also pull out your bulletin as we've done the last two weeks. We're trying to make sure that we fully understand and agree upon and can reproduce in our own minds and hearts the vision that we have as a church, who we are, who we are, who we intend to be, who we intend to continue to be, what we are building this foundation on. And so if you look at the front of your bulletin, it's really just in the, in the logo right underneath. We've expressed this in two ways. We've said it through three words, gospel, community, mission. And then we've used a phrase, so connected in Christ, which is sort of the gospel part, connected in Christ as a community, which is the community part, on mission, which is the mission part, right? So we, we try to make this um, simple and uh, easy to remember so that we could continue to remind ourselves throughout the week who we are and what we are about. We are connected in Christ as a community on mission. That's who we are as a church. That's who we intend to be. That's who we are. It's who we want to continue to be. Um, and so the last two weeks we looked at the words gospel and community. We talked about the gospel. We have to have the gospel right. The reason we are a church is because we understand the gospel. We have been changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. And again, we, um, we tried to um, simplify how to understand the gospel um, by terming it more than just the good news, but giving us a framework by which to identify it with. And so we use the framework of God, man, Christ response. So we have to start with God. In the beginning, God, right? Everything starts with God. God is more than anything we could imagine. He's more than we could ever understand, but He has revealed Himself to us. And then He has revealed things about us that maybe we didn't realize about ourselves. Through creation, God has revealed Himself to us, and then through Jesus Christ, God has revealed Himself. And when Jesus came, He helped us understand God even more. And so we understand God, we understand ourselves and the sinners who we are, and then we understand Christ and what He did for us as sinners. And then we have to respond to that, and we're going to respond one of two ways. Um, there are some, there's some literature out there uh, that is some good um, gospel presentation work that's called Two Ways to Live. You've got two responses then that you have upon hearing the gospel. It's either you respond in faith and repentance, or you don't. And so us as a church, we recognize that we have needed the salvation that Jesus Christ offers us, and we've accepted that. We've repented of our sin, and we have trusted that Jesus has bore the penalty for our sin and given us His righteousness, and so that we can have a new heart, a new life. We can have eternal life, and so that's the gospel. And then we talked last week about community. So we believe this gospel, and then we build each other up in this gospel. We're connected in Christ as a community. We want to be here for one another. God has not just given us the gospel, but He has given us then, following that, He has given us each other. He's given us His Spirit, and He's given us gifts of the Spirit to be able to serve one another and to be there for one another. And so that's some of what we talked about last week. And the first week when we talked about the gospel, we just kind of walked quickly, and it wasn't really quick because it was almost an hour, but we tried to walk quickly through the first five chapters of Romans just going through that framework. And then last week we looked mainly at Romans chapter 12. 
and seeing what this life looks like as Christians. Therefore, what does it look like that we've received this gospel? How are we to live? And we looked at that in Romans chapter 12, and so I'd encourage you to again look at that. And I ended last week saying, let Romans 12 be a guide for us as to how we are to live as Christians together in a community. How we're supposed to love one another, serve one another, think of others more than we think of ourselves, right? Have a right understanding of ourselves in comparison to others. Serve, be there, love one another. And so we talked about community. And so this week, then, we're talking about mission. This week we're talking about mission. And so that's where we get in Romans chapter 10. And so we're going to read, we're going to read in Romans chapter 10 verses, um, verses 8 through 17. Romans chapter 10 verses 8 through 17. We're going to read all of it and then I'm going to talk some and then we'll go through some of the passage. Um, just, just as a, a, a note, normally when, when I'm preaching, normally when anyone's preaching, they should be walking through a text and helping you to explain the text in the context of the text. I know that kind of sounds like the same words used over and over, but and so that's normally what we do. You know, before we started the series, we were walking through Isaiah. We went through Isaiah chapters 1 through 12. And we love Isaiah, and we'll even see some quotes from Isaiah here in Romans chapter 10. And so normally our pattern is to read a text, to walk through it, to understand it as it was written, and to understand what it means for us as Christians. It's going to be a little bit different as we've done the last couple weeks, but we're not exactly going to do that. And so I want you to... When we read these verses, soak them in, and we'll talk about a few of them, but we're not going to talk about all of them, and it's going to be a little bit kind of here and there, so just as a warning. So Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 8, says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. As we look at this passage... Um, this is actually uh, Romans 10, 9 through 10 was uh, the first sermon that I ever preached. Um, it, was, it was pretty bad. Um, there was a mic in front of me, and um, it was on um, a mic stand, and I was basically holding like the mic the whole time, even though the stand was holding it. I mean, it was just, I was really nervous. <laughs> um, but one of the reasons why this was the first passage that I preached was because Romans 10, 9 through 10 is basically a summary of the gospel. Um, This is what I always wanted my ministry to be about, was preaching the gospel. 
And, and so we see, you know, I, I picked this passage for a mission, and you're like, well, isn't this more of a gospel passage? Well, it is. But as we look at the idea of mission, I want us to see that mission is all about preaching the gospel. Um, when you look at Romans 10 in context, it's interesting because this really is a chapter of sorrow and anguish for Paul about Israel, right? It, because of Israel, because of their unbelief, because Jesus has come and the, and the Jews have rejected Jesus Christ, their Savior. The one who was prophesied about, as we looked at in the first several chapters in Isaiah, the one who was prophesied about, Jesus has fulfilled these prophecies, but the, his own people didn't accept him. And Paul, being a Jew himself, was tore up about this. And he said, man, I, I, I would do anything in my power to make them believe, to cause them to believe, so that they would be saved. I wish I could just make them believe, but, but their hearts had been hardened, right? And so then on the flip side, this is a chapter of, of joy and hope for all the other nations, Right? This is a chapter of joy and hope because this message of the gospel is not just for Israel. It's not just for the Jews. And we see that even when he says, um, where is it? In verse something, verse 12, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. So what's great is um, there is hope. There are people who are ready and willing to respond to the gospel. Um, and, um, and so our, our goal is just to, to find out who those people are. Um, and so today, as we want to understand our mission, I want us to, to recognize that being on mission is not just for missionaries. Being on mission is not just for other people. Being on mission is for all of us. Being on mission is not for us to set aside some money in our budget and provide so that someone else can go preach the gospel. And when we look at words like in our text in Romans chapter 10 and we see about preaching, I want us to also understand that preaching is not just Stephen getting up in front of you on Sunday mornings and that's what preaching is, but preaching the gospel is something that you do throughout the week to yourself, to others, to those who know Christ and to those who don't know Christ. Preach the gospel to yourself is a common refrain that I want each of us to have because we need to remind ourselves of the gospel, what it has done in our life and what it continues to mean for us when we're going through the hardships that we all inevitably and constantly, for many of us, go through. When, when we recognize our sin and we recognize how hopeless our situation is because of how ridiculously awful we are at living this life properly, we go back to the gospel and we say, but Jesus has done something about that. But Jesus still cares for me. But Jesus is still with me. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. Um, and I, this idea of being on mission, I want us to see you know, that this is even something that has happened since the beginning, since before the fall. Adam and Eve well, really Adam at the time, because it was right before Eve was created, at least in Genesis chapter 2, was given a mission to work and to keep the garden. But it wasn't just to work and to keep the garden, it was to work and to keep God's law. 
Adam was on mission even before there was sin in the world to follow God's law, to obey God, to worship God as God, to recognize Him properly. This is this idea of being on mission is something that has always been around. We've always been on mission. And this mission has always been to serve and worship the living God, God Himself. Um, John Piper says um, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, it's a, a book about missions, um, which I would recommend to you. He says, missions exist because worship does not, or something close there too. Missions exist because worship does not. Where worship does not take place, that's where our mission is to go to because we are to be worshiping God. We are to be serving Him. We are to be recognizing Him in all aspects of our lives. And so we are sent to go to proclaim God where worship is not currently happening and where it needs to continue to happen. Our aim and delight is to proclaim the majesty of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The heavens declare the glory of God, right? The psalmist says. But humans, we, God's people, have been given the particular task of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. The heavens declare the glory of God, but they don't speak the word about salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what... God has tasked to us as His people. Um, this is the word that we call evangelism. Um, I'd, I'd commend you a book because I try to do it just about every week, and I try to you know fill up your, your book reading list um, with more than you can ever um, actually get to. But um, this really is a good book. I've read it a couple times, uh, legitimately. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure full through. And um, it's called... Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. Um, he's the same one who wrote Knowing God, which I referenced a couple weeks ago. Um, J.I. Packer, he's a wonderful author. And this is a great book, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. This is an old copy, um, probably an earlier edition, because um, it's been around for a while. And I think I have a new copy as well. But um, what's great about it is when you think about, and when we understand God, and when we say God is all-powerful, God can do whatever He wants to do. Um, God's going to save whoever He wants to save. Um, and, and we see some of that in Romans 9 through 11. And so what's my job then? Like, why, do, why, why am I supposed to have to do anything? Why do I have to evangelize? Why do I have to preach the good news? Um, and this book does a great job of helping us to understand that these two ideas of God being the one who saves us, but yet still using us to accomplish that work, to proclaim the gospel message, it's, this is man's responsibility. And so man's responsibility and God's sovereignty are two friends, as he says in the book. Um, and so we don't have to try and reconcile friends. God is in control, but he has given us a work to do. We are to be on mission to preach the good news to those who don't know it. And so this is what basically... It means. And so let's look at Romans chapter 10 and see that gospel message again in verses 9 and 10 and see how it is clear that as Christians we're not meant to just to just stay where we are. Um, look at verses 9 and 10. 
Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, I've got a friend um, in Texas. I worked with him for quite a few years. I think he was even in my wedding, um, which was a long time ago. Um, and I remember him telling me a story about he had some um, people from a church come by his house, and um, they were uh, sharing the gospel in some capacity, I guess. And they basically asked, you know, if, if he believed whatever they said, and he said, well, yeah, yeah, sure. And so they gave him a certificate that said, okay, here, you know, kind of you're a Christian, basically, is like what the certificate said. And knowing this man's life, um, you know, there, there was no evidence of salvation in his life. Uh, you know, he, he may be saved because I think he has the, the intellectual knowledge uh, and he's not even afraid to maybe even say it with his mouth, to confess with his mouth the truth of the gospel, but, but I'm not sure his heart has really been changed. I'm not really sure his heart truly believes it because when a heart truly believes this message of the gospel that Jesus is Lord, that means he determines how you act. He determines what you say. He determines what your life is like then. And, and, and I think that's why it's interesting the way that Paul puts it here in verses 9 and 10 is because this is more than just a confession. This is more than just something I say. This is something that is true in my heart. This is something that is true to the deepest part of me that changes all aspects of me. For from the heart flow all the things of your life. The things that you say, the things that you do, flow from your heart. It's not what's from the outside that goes in that makes you unclean. Your heart is already unclean. As sinners, our heart's unclean. And so what God does through Jesus Christ is He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new life. And if this heart has not been changed, if this heart has not been a new heart, then any confession is pointless and meaningless. And, and that's, that was always my fear for him, was that there are people who go around saying, all you have to do is say the right words and all of a sudden you're good. When we're on mission... The reason why we have termed it in the ways that we have, this gospel community mission, is because we are to grow up in the gospel. We're to build each other up in this truth of the gospel to help understand each other and to maybe sometimes, for those who have professed faith, help them to realize that they haven't really understood what true faith is. Sometimes that's what happens in the midst of community, where we have relationships with one another to the point where we say, but have you, have you truly understood because your life is not matching up with this truth in almost any way? And so has your heart really been changed? But we're not here just to judge each other. We're not here to constantly monitor, oh, you know, well, this says you're not a Christian, and this says you are a Christian, and so, you know, when we take this and we take that, well, you know, I'm going to go on the, well, maybe you really are a Christian. That's not our job. That's not what we want to do. But we want to continue proclaiming the good news that Jesus hasn't just given us one chance even to respond. How many times have you heard the gospel? How many times have you heard the gospel before you actually 
professed faith, before you said, I believe, this is for me, I'm a sinner, Jesus is a Savior, He's my Lord, I commit my life to Him. How many times did you hear the good news of salvation before you actually came to that decision, came to that heart change? This is why we need to be busy about the work of continuing to proclaim the message of the gospel and why all of who we are as a church starts with a proper and right understanding of the gospel. And so the way in which we do that is we do that through our services. We do that through the preaching of the word, through reading the word. I love how Dante read this morning. He's got such a great voice. Um, I, I haven't been able to see him act in, um, I think, you know, last year or two in his productions that he's been in, but I'm sure they were great because he's got such a great voice. Um, that's why we read God's word together. That's why we preach God's word. That's why we sing God's word together, why we sing the truth of the gospel. And we thank Nathaniel for leading us in doing that and for Brooke for singing. Um, why we pray, and even in the midst of our prayers, we pray the gospel. We thank God for the salvation that we have had found together and that we continue to celebrate together. Through all aspects of our services, that's who we want to be, who we are. And so that's one of the ways that we proclaim the gospel. But our services are more of a, you know, just by nature, more of a come and see or invite people to come to where we are. And, and that's why we want to make sure that we particularly explain and expect ourselves to not just invite people to where we are, but to go out and meet people where they are. This is why we, you know, we already live in a community. We live in a town. We, we're around other people all the time. I mean, you know, we've all got to go to the store. We've, you know, well, some of us have to go to school. Some of us stay home for that. Um, and, you know, some of us have to go to work and some of us can stay home for that. Um, and, but, but we're, we're in the midst of people. We're, we're going where people are. And if we're not, then we should be intentional about finding ways to meet out other people, to meet up with them. You know, the idea of a community center has become so foreign to us as, you know, a lot of us in this room, as younger people, as, you know, a different generation. And that's why it's so interesting that God has presented this opportunity for us to start meeting at uh, the Moose Family Center is because that's actually like one place where that still exists um, in town where people can gather together naturally on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, um, to hang out. Now, do they hang out for all the right reasons? Probably not. Um, you know, but that's okay. It, it, it's, it's a place where people go. It's a civic center where, where people can gather together um, and enjoy the things of this world. And now we're presented with an opportunity to use that space to gather together and, and to meet other people that are there. I mean, they've been so gracious to us so far. I mean, they're, they're, they're publicizing our stuff in their calendar on their newsletter that goes out to, uh, Bill told me this week, like 700 people. Um, so all of a sudden, like we haven't even really had to do anything, um, but he's sending out an invitation, you know, 
quote-unquote, to people to come join us. Um, and we haven't even done anything to deserve that. Um, but, but we're willing to go so that other people can hear. And so we talked about the gospel and how we use our services to proclaim that. And, and I, I didn't really do this the last couple weeks and why I'm sort of wanting to do this right now before I forget and lose the great opportunity. Um, we use our services as a main avenue to proclaim and preach the gospel. And our services, we want to be filled. We want them to be deeply enriched by the gospel in every capacity. And everything that we do in our services, we want them to be about the gospel. So that it's clear for people. So that they hear it not just once or twice, but several times through all aspects. And then community, we want, we want to be a part of each other's lives. We want to build each other up. And it's really difficult to build each other up if you don't spend time together, if you don't encourage one another. Um, I was able to see some more basketball games this past week. And and you think about how how poorly would your team do in basketball if you never practiced. I mean... You wouldn't know how good this other player was. I mean, maybe until the first game, and then you might you might realize, okay, this kid's really good, or I'm probably not going to pass him the ball much, um, right? And so you might have some of that, um, or you know, this kid doesn't know how to dribble, or you know, he travels every time he takes the step, uh, or you know, has the ball in his hands, um, or this kid can't shoot, so maybe you know, we let him have the ball on the outside of, you know, up to half court, and then make him pass it off, whatever. You know, but, but if you don't know that, if you don't spend time practicing, if you don't spend time getting to know one another, if you don't practice plays, if you don't practice what you're good at, what I'm good at, how you're tall and I'm not tall, how you belong over here and I belong over there, how I need to run around, where I need to go, it's difficult to create some sort of cohesion, create some sort of identity as a group. And and it's the same for a church. If you don't spend time together, but once a week, you know, for a game, so to speak, well, well, then how are you going to improve? How are you going to encourage each other? If if you don't expect your people, not even just during practices, but throughout the week, to practice dribbling, right? I mean, there's nothing that stops you from dribbling other than the noise that your parents are annoyed by, right? I mean, you know, practice dribbling. Practice your ball handling skills. Um, I keep talking about basketball because that's what my life has been like for the last several months, as some of the rest of you can understand as well. Um, and so, so that's what we do, and that's what we encourage these community groups for, to meet throughout, throughout the week, you know, maybe it's once a week, every week, to, to be a part of each other's lives. We all have busy schedules. We all have a lot of stuff going on. We all have kids. We all have different things that they're involved in, different things that we're involved in. We work. But we want to be sure that we don't neglect gathering together regularly, not just on Sunday mornings, but also then to have an opportunity to share each other's lives. When you think about it and an overall perspective. When we gather on Sunday mornings, you're forced to listen to me half the time that we meet together, which, you know, some of you are like, oh, well, you know, I can put up with it, and some of you are like, man, this is a dread. 
Um, <laughs> and so, but there's not a built-in opportunity for, for you during the time that we particularly meet together for the hour and a half or however long it is to really get to share your life, to open up your heart. Now, we encourage that before and after the service, and we encourage you to do that through responding to God and His Word in the midst of the service. And so if you ever feel the need to kind of step out or step away and grab someone and say, hey, I need you to pray with me because God's just revealed something to me, you are welcome and free to do that during the middle of the service. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. Um, you know, you can quietly step away and say, hey, you know, will you come pray with me? Um, and that's why we want to make sure that it is encouraged and expected that as a church, we, we talk to each other back and forth, a conversation, a dialogue. What has God been saying to you this week? What have you learned from the proclamation of the gospel this week in your heart? What areas in your life has God revealed to you that you're not allowing Him to change your heart? That, that, that you have found a wickedness rise up in you whenever this happened this week? And how this reveals something about you and, and the status and position of your heart toward Him. The status and position of your heart towards other people. When we've been called to love God and to love other people, when I don't show love towards someone else, that says something about my heart, and I need to explore that. And doing that with other people, having other people pray with you, and seeking God with you about what, why that's happening in your heart. What are the idols that you have created that you have allowed to enter into your heart so that it keeps you from following after Christ? This is what we want to encourage throughout the week. And this happens through community groups. It also happens just through one-on-one relationships, through discipling, through mentoring. By meeting together and saying, man, I've been struggling with this. Can, can you pray for me? And, and this is how it manifested itself this week. And, um, and, I, and I don't want to be like this. I, I want God to change my heart. But every time I get in this position, it's just it's difficult for me to respond other than how I've responded, and how I respond is not okay. Can you pray for me? Can, can you help me? Can, can you send me some reminders throughout the week and say, hey man, I'm praying for you. Um, you know, search God and maybe He'll reveal something to you that you can encourage me with that will help me to change. And so we share God's Word with one another so that we can change. We're not here just to proclaim the message of the Gospel and to see people saved and say, okay, good, you're saved, you've made a profession of faith, now on to the next one. That's not what we're here about. We are here for that, but that's not just what we're here about. We're here to build each other up. And so we do that through community groups and through discipling relationships, through just relationships. And then we're on mission. And the ways that we're on mission are we're going out and we're proclaiming the gospel to people that we don't already have relationships with. To people who aren't a part of our church. To people who aren't a part of any church. As a church, we don't want to be reaching out to other people who are churched already. We want to be reaching out to those who don't know the gospel. We want to be reaching out to those who don't have a church community, a church home already. Maybe they're new to the area and we invite them to join in with us. 
to be on mission with us. Maybe they've never heard the gospel before. And so we build a relationship with them on the foundation of the gospel. And not just so that at every second and moment I talk to them, I can say, have you trusted Christ yet? You know, let me tell you about Christ. You know, get to know Him. I mean, be a friend. There's nothing wrong with getting to know someone and understanding their background and why maybe they have some hesitancy. Maybe they have some background of an involvement in a church or a story about something that happened to them or someone they know where they were hurt because of a Christian or because of a church. And you need to understand where they're coming from and walk with them through that and say, look, I've been hurt by people too. I mean, you know, some of the hardest relationships that I've had have been with people in the church. But but that doesn't change the fact that God is God and His message is still loud and clear through His Word. That He doesn't leave me. That He's given me His Spirit as His child to be with me. That He's never going to leave me or forsake me. That He is with me at all times and that I can depend on Him. And that as I depend on Him and look at His Word, I I continue to grow in my trust. And then I can trust Him. Though all the things that I see and all the things that I hear and how my mind tells me that God is not for me, I have to speak against that and, and remind myself that naturally I am at a war with my inward man, with my flesh, with my past life, with my past heart. That sin is still there, but God's Spirit is there, and God's people are there. And so we're on mission to people who don't know Him. And and not just locally, but we also do want to support, with our money and with our time, other organizations that are on mission with the gospel. And so we support other ministries We are not here for ourselves. And this makes itself clear through the partnerships that we have with other organizations that proclaim the gospel. Because we can't go everywhere. And we can't support everyone. But we can make a difference here and there. And so that's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. That's who we are and who we will continue to be as long as I have anything to say about it, and as long as God's word is followed. And so, sort of as, as we wrap up this whole idea, um, I want you to use Romans chapter 10 to be an encouragement. I'm going to read a few verses, because we haven't looked at it much, and again, I said this was going to be a little bit different and not how I normally am. But look at Romans chapter 10, and read these few verses again with me. And, and use this as an encouragement because if we aren't out there proclaiming the gospel to those who haven't heard it, how are people going to believe? Verse 14 of Romans chapter 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. As a church, we proclaim the gospel. We build each other up in the gospel. 
And then we send each other out to proclaim the gospel. And it's just this cyclical, repeated pattern of the gospel, building up in the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, building up in the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, building up in the gospel, sending out. It's it's the same thing over and over. And it's the same thing that never gets old. It never gets old. My preaching might get old. I've gotten tired of hearing me so far this morning. Um, but, but I pray that the truth of the gospel and the truth of who He has called us to be as a church, as His people, is clear. We are building each other up so that we can send each other out and so that we can go out together oftentimes. Let's pray. God, I thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the truth that we've been able to look at this morning. The encouragement that we have of being able to have the Scriptures at our fingertips. Literally carried around with us if we got a phone. No matter where we go, we we have Your Word. And we... Not just your written word, but your word on our hearts. The, the truth that you have written on us. Through our words and through our actions, God, I pray that, that we would proclaim the gospel, that we would preach the gospel. <coughs> How are people going to believe if we don't say the gospel? And I pray that we would recognize that we are the ones who are being sent. Each of us. Not just the leaders, not just the pastors, not just the people who are naturally better at it. God, that each of us, in our own ways, have been sent on mission. Help us to own that. Help us to recognize it well. And help us to live it out for your glory, for your honor, so that you would be worshipped. Because you are worthy of worship, you're worthy of praise. All is due to you, and so we pray that your name would be honored and glorified through our words, through our actions, through this church. God, go with us as you send us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.